Welcome to The CA, a podcast about news, current events, and commentary on all things atheism from a Canadian perspective. This podcast carries the explicit tag and wears it like a motherfucking badge of honor. So if you get offended, switch off. The CA is brought to you on the second and third Thursdays of each month. So for more, please visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the CA, or you can email us at the CA at rogers.com. Okay, and here we go. Uh, welcome to The CA. Today is Sunday, March the 5th, 2017. I'm Michael. And I'm Dean. Welcome, welcome. And uh, so we're going to do a couple things today. Um, so the first thing we're going to do is jump right into, uh, we're going to jump right into news. But um, before we do that, uh, just again to cover what we're going to discuss today, we're going to do a couple of news stories, a couple of uh, scary things. Um, when we last spoke, I mentioned that we were going to uh, discuss some of the things that, uh, more topics that we wanted to talk about. So we've got a list of some of those. I want to talk a little bit about heroes, uh, heroes in the movement, some of uh, some of my motivations, and uh, Dean can chime in with some of his. And then uh, today for our uh, logical fallacies, we're going to talk about uh, the burden of proof. And uh, I'm not sure if anything else will pop up, but we'll see what happens. So, um, in the news stories today, Dean, uh, we got a couple of them. Uh, the Toronto Star reported on February 24th. Um, so, so we know that next year is going to be an election year. Uh, they've been talking about that a lot. Kathleen Wynne, uh, the Wynne government. <coughs> yeah, everybody loves week. her. Yeah, oh yes. Um, the Wynne government this week just talked about uh, this uh, hydro rebate that's mm-hmm. going to come across. And uh, some people, like the conservatives, were freaking out in the House of Commons. They're like, why? Why are you talking about this 16 months before an election? You should have been doing this for the taxpayers, blah, blah, which I agree with, which I agree with. But um, that was interesting. So, um, But the Toronto Star reported that if a... Um, if a an election was to happen now. Uh, the quote was, uh, barring any miracle, Premier Kathleen Wynne and the Ontario Liberals are facing a real threat of being trounced in the next uh, provincial election. Uh, and indeed, the progressive conservatives under the new leader, Patrick Brown, would easily wind up forming, forming a majority government. Uh, so why is that a problem? And what the hell does it have to do with, uh, with atheism? Well, here's, here's the problem. Patrick Brown is a nutball Christian. And not just like nutball, as in like little bit nutball. He's full on, six thousand year old young earth creationist, mm. uh, fundamentalist Christian. Then that's scary. Talking to Jesus in his office and whatnot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, all right. So a quick uh, look up on the holy internet uh, search uh, nented a couple of results that are that are a little bit uh, shocking. So he attended St. Michael's College School, which is a private Catholic school. In and of itself, not that big a deal. Um, but it's more in his public stance on a couple of things. Uh, he's very critical on sex education in schools. Um, and I, too, am critical of sex education in schools. I think we need to have sex education in schools. <laughs> Far more of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, this. I remember sitting around my mom, um, and my mom, who was Catholic and very conservative, wouldn't say shit if she had a mouthful of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just very kind of very down to earth, but very reserved in everything. And so I remember being a teenager, and she came to me one day, and she's like, um, so uh, do we need to have this, you know, this talk? And it shows you how kind of sexually repressed my family was. My mom <laughs> was talking about this. My dad wouldn't even talk about this. <laughs> my mom, too. Yeah, so, uh, and she was so awkward in the whole thing. How old, were you? Just, how old were you before she approached you? Uh, I think I was 14 or 15. Wow, that's okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think my I was, mom approached me, I think I was, I think I was 17. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I was 14 or 15. And I was just like, Mom, it's okay. Yeah, I know. Don't worry about it. 
before she even started, I was like, her face is red. She didn't know, she didn't know what the fuck to say. Like, uh, and I'm like, mom, it's cool. And it was like I had just given her a fucking holy communion and like forgiven her of her sins and she didn't have to have this talk with me. So I thought that was pretty funny. All right, so what about, um, uh, what else about uh, Patrick Brown? So a couple of things that I found. Um, so his, conserva- his uh, progressive st- uh, stance is in contrast uh, to a lot of the voting that's gone on uh, recently. In 2006 as an MP, Patrick Brown voted to repeal same-sex marriage in Canada. So uh, there are no words. Yeah, a, a, a done deal. Um, I, I'm very much of the mind, um, and I've said this to lots of people. You say it on Facebook all the time, just in in talks you're having with people. If you're against gay marriage, you totally should not get gay married. <laughs> That's just the whole point. It, it it affects you in no way, shape, or form. Yeah. Why would you be against something that has no bearing on your life? Yeah. It it doesn't it doesn't make any sense uh, at all. Uh, he also voted against several bills um, between 2011 and 2013, which aimed at amending the Canadian Herm- Human Rights Act to include um, and including gender expression and identity. So, you know, as a as a white cisgendered male, it's hard for me to relate to some of this stuff, right? Because I was just, you know, I'm a dude, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Girls, yay, yay, girls, guys, <laughs> hey, you're great. I'm I'm not interested in you, but you know, yeah. yay, whoever you are. Now, um, and there almost went my phone for a second. Sorry, guys. Um, so, all right. So he wants to change the uh, the laws around gender expression and identity. I'm sure he'd ridiculous. love what's going on in the U.S. right now. Oh yeah. With the whole you know having different bathrooms and, and all that other kind of stuff, which is just um, you know uh, ridiculous. Making, right now, making children who are unsure of themselves even more unsure of the exactly. futures and, and right now the way the laws are people are protected. And I think that's the way, I think that that's the way it should be, uh, for sure. Um, and on, this is this is probably the most shocking one, on September 26, 2012, Brown voted in favor of Stephen Woodworth's private member's bill to create a special committee to examine the legal definition of when a fetus becomes a human being. I, and, and so... There's okay. so much you could say about that. Yeah, so... Now, again, as, a, as two guys sitting around, some people may say, well, what right do you even have to talk about this, this kind of stuff? And that's... That's a, a valid point. And, and that's, and that's a, a valid point. But I identify as a feminist. Um, as do I. You know, this crazy idea that men and women should be treated the same. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But, and as a feminist, I think that bodily autonomy has to trump... We'll get into Trump later. Has to... <laughs> has to trump everything. Mm-hmm. You know, my body, my choice. And I think that, um, I think this is really, really, uh, really, really important. Um, I think this guy's basically like uh, Ontario's version of Mar- Marco Rubio. Yeah. You know, or one of those, or Mike Pence. And you can't even, like, the whole fetus thing, you can't give a potential life more rights than the life that is supporting that potential life. Well, exactly. And that's where it leads into kind of bodily autonomy, right? It's like, so if, if a woman is pregnant... Um, you know, it, and it's, and I've, I've had this discussion before and it's gotten a lot of flack, so <laughs> buckle up. Um, I have, equ- in arguments, I have equated a fetus to a parasite. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it is. I'm not calling babies parasites. I am. <laughs> well, you got to be okay, you can do that. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that a parasite requires a host 
in which to grow. A baby requires a host in which to grow. Now, there are some exceptions to that. Um, 1971, uh, almost 46 years ago, um, the year I was born, is the same year uh, IVF, mm. uh, in, uh, in, vitro fertilization. Yeah, in vitro fertilization, was first successfully done. So the first in vitro kid is walking around about you know, my age now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still can't uh, duplicate a womb completely. Yeah, in, in vitro fertilization is not... It's, 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 it, all it is is the, the actual placing of a sperm inside an egg and making sure that it takes. And then those are put back inside the vessel, which is the woman, to survive. That, they cannot grow it outside the woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so again, uh, flipping back to this, what the hell does this have to do with, with something like atheism? Well, the issue is, is that, and, and I've talked to a, co- I have a couple of friends who are one who's staunchly conservative, but he's one of my best friends, and I respect him a lot. And another one, another friend who's also um, essentially my best friend, who has said, you know, you know, you're not going to govern this way. Um, you know, they're still going to govern more to the center. And I respectfully say, bullshit. Mm-hmm. And because the problem is, is that our beliefs inform our actions. Um, and uh, the person would have to undergo such a degree of cognitive, personal cognitive dissonance to not allow their very, very strong personal beliefs to affect what they do when they're in office. And because when they're in office, they're supposed to be acting for all mm-hmm. of us. You've even proven that that's going to affect him because he's re- he wants to repeal same-sex marriages and, uh, and the, gender I- the gender identity issue. I mean, this, he's already shown his colors. And yeah. that's going to come out even more so if he's in power. Yeah, and so scary right now. Like, as someone who has traditionally voted liberal, um, it's scary to think that. Well, you know, elections held tomorrow, um, likely a conservative majority, and so that's that's scary. You know, because it, I think it has the potential for a lot of problems, uh, and and these are just a these are just a couple of them. So, I think that that's. I think that's interesting. And, and again, to deny that uh, beliefs inform our actions, um, I hope that Patrick Brown doesn't think that Ontarians are, are that stupid mm-hmm. to think that he's going to be able to separate uh, these two things. Uh, it, we, can, uh, we can hope that we're not as stupid as, as yeah. our southern neighbors. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, and speaking of our southern uh, neighbors, so it had to come up eventually, um, Trump. <sighs> This is only episode two of the CA, and we can't uh, address everything that's happened over the past, well, I guess, year and a half-ish, south of the border. But, uh, so there's too much to dissect, you know, um, from this total shit show that's gone on. Uh, It's all very scary. Um, But keeping in the the vein of scary stuff going on, for me, the scariest uh, thing aside from Captain Cheeto being POTUS, um, is the appointment of Betsy DeVos. Oh, my God. To I the don't... Secretary of Education. That, I was, I was watching the, the, uh, the questioning of her by Congress, whoever it is that... Oh, that, yeah, that, Sanders that was, and Franken. Yeah, and they her. all laid into her and showed how inept she is and not ready for this. And the fact that it came down to a tie yeah. is... Is it is remarkable, happened. and then and 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 then Pence of course walks in and says, you know, that's she's she's the new education minister. It's like what Pence has reported as saying that it was the easiest vote he he's ever had to cast. Of course, because he wanted her in the first place. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
Yeah. So who's Betsy DeVos? Um, well, Betsy DeVos is um, half-wit, truly. Um, okay, that's that's kind of an ad hominem, and I don't care. Um, in hearing her speak, it's it's really it's really clear. She comes from a billionaire family, and her billionaire family made their money from Amway, right? And uh, in the U.S., they don't like to say pyramid marketing. I'm gonna fucking say pyramid marketing. They yeah. say multi-level marketing. Yeah, that's the new, that's the new term. Yeah, Amway is a is a is a pyramid scheme essentially. Yeah. Um, donated two hundred ish million dollars to the GOP, mm-hmm. and even while under questioning. Uh, I think it was Sanders who said, you know, how much has your... Direct question. He already had the answer. It was rhetorical. How much money is your family given? And she was like, oh, I'm not 100% sure. And he's like, well, I've got the numbers. Your family's donated approximately $200 million to the GOP. And then the slam dunk is, you know, do you think you'd be sitting here in a confirmation hearing to be Secretary of Education if your family had not done that? And she pompously said, yes, I would. No no experience in public education whatsoever. And she's obviously... uh, promoted, uh, um, what do you call it, um, privatized Charter education. schools, vouchers, um, which poses a whole other problem. Um, my wife and I were having this discussion last night. We were talking about, um, she attended Catholic high school. And I said, did you have to buy your uniforms? And she said, yes. And I said, that I didn't agree with that. I thought, you know, if you... If you were attending a you know a, a private school, which you had to pay to attend, mm-hmm. or no, pardon me. Well, I guess in the U.S. you have to pay to attend. Uh, in Canada, the Catholic school board, the separate school board, is funded by taxpayers. Yes. So you're funded by taxpayers, and you got to buy a uniform. My thought is, and maybe it's wrong. Um, uh, send me a Facebook message or email if you if you think I'm wrong about this. But um, public school funded essentially the Catholic school board. And students still had to buy their uniforms. I, when I was telling her last night, I said, well, when I went to school, the school that I went to was right on the border. Half mm. poor, half affluent. And the school was right in the middle. So I was lucky I went to a, a nice school. But uh, when it came to gym uniforms, they're like, here's the gym t-shirt and shorts. You can buy it and it's however many dollars it was. Uh, back 150 years ago when I went to public school, <laughs> and you know, but if you don't if you don't want to do that, then wear your own shirt and t-shirts, like you know, t-shirt shorts. Who cares? Uh, we weren't forced to do it. And then she said to me, she's like, oh, we had to, we were forced to buy that uniform as well. Yeah. Um. So so what does that have to do with with the boss stuff like that? Well, the whole idea of a voucher system, and with charter schools and religious schools, and that's what it's all aiming towards. Oh, yeah. They say choice, 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 choice. But what they're really aiming this at are the people on the religious right who want to send their kids to Jeebus school uh, to teach them that dinosaurs walked with man yeah. and the earth is 6,000 years old and created in six days. And it's also, it's just, it's throwing us back in the dark ages. And it's also, it's, it's, it's more so putting their boots on the heads of the poor mm-hmm. and just pushing them down. It's, just, it's, 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 redu- it's ridiculous. And it, uh, yeah, it's the next four years are going to be... Sad. <laughs> All of the money that's going to be pulled up, because the whole idea is, well, my tax dollars should be able to go for my kid where I want to send them to school. That's not how public education works. That's not how, and I'm not an economist of any sort, um, so please feel free to uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but 
the, the way the tax structure works is you pay taxes, right? It all gets thrown into a kitty. Yeah. And then the government, <laughs> full of elected officials, decides, okay, a bunch of money goes here, a bunch of money goes to roads, a bunch of money goes to this, that, the other thing. Well, what they're saying is we're going to reach our hand back in the pot and take our money out. Yeah. And we're not going to send it to the public schools. We're going to send it to this other, this other school. A religious school, which has tax exemption yeah. uh, and, and is, is funded through, a, a f the money funneled through there goes through a different system. Because it's a, a private school, the people teaching there don't have to meet the same criteria. They don't even have to be licensed fucking teachers in order to teach there. Jesus is my Sad. personal Lord and Savior. You're teaching science class today. Um, <laughs> that's a little hyperbolic, but but you get the uh, yeah, you get the idea. And so, what I've said is, you know, kind of, you know, let's let the dumbing down of America uh, commence. Um, and because I don't really see, I don't really see how this is going to go any other way than that. Um, yeah. So okay. Enough of a downer. Dun dun dun. The next thing, <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about um, was to kind of go back and address kind of why we're doing this. Uh, I think both Dee and I have uh, some personal reasons involved that we talked about a little bit uh, in episode one. But for me, it, it's it's a couple of things. One of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to become more of an activist, take an active part uh, in what's going on create something to leave behind um, what I believe is my only shot at immortality because uh, I, I don't believe that uh, anything of us uh, survives the grave. Um, and I want to follow in the footsteps of some of my heroes from the movement. So I've created a, a little something here and I'm going to mostly read it uh, and then fill in little bits of it ad lib as I, as I go along. Uh, and it's just, this is just a, a short list. It's in no particular order. I'll say that uh, again. It's in no particular order. Uh, just people that I look up to, that I, admi I admire, and who have influenced me, and who have also made me want to do uh, what I'm doing now with this. So, okay, so my heroes in the movement. Uh, if you're an atheist, you likely have a hero from the movement. Uh, you might have a few. Well, who are they? I'll say again, uh, send me a message on Facebook. And uh, maybe we can talk about them if you have uh, other people who I don't mention here. I'm certainly not going to list all of mine, um, but I've got uh, some of the uh, key ones here. So I'm fortunate enough to have met uh, a couple of the people whom, whom I consider, consider heroes in the movement. Uh, so again, in no particular order. The first one I'll talk about is uh, Aaron Ra. Um, I met Aaron at a CFI meeting in Toronto last year. Uh, he's got a book out, it's called uh, Foundational Falsehoods of Creationism, and it's really, really good, I enjoyed it. Um, Aaron, one of the things I like about Aaron is his absolute no BS uh, approach. He just calls it out the way he sees it. Um, he, he is the one, I talked about it in the last episode, saying uh, he's the one who taught me what the, the word epistivist means. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, the, um, that faith is the most uh, dishonest position as possible to, uh, to have. He's the former Texas State Director for American Atheists, and he's the current president of Atheist Alliance International. And like I said, he very much uh, tells it like it is. Um, and he looks a little scary. He, he looks a little scary, yeah. If you <laughs> Google a picture, if you Google A-R-O-N, Aaron, <clears throat> pardon me, I think probably the first one will come up is Aaron Raw. And yeah, he looks a little ominous. Uh, having met him, he's not that much, he's, not, he's only maybe three inches taller than I am. 
but he's got you know the long hair, long hair and the long beard and stuff like that. And uh, when you see pictures, we're friends on Facebook as well. And you know he rides up this big fucking motorcycle around, this big V twin <laughs> motorcycle around, stuff like that. With his hair pulled back and leather and stuff like that. And I was listening to him on a podcast, and he talks about how because he he's from Texas, right? So, you know, Texas, they have concealed carry laws and stuff like that. Yeah. He's like, I don't carry a gun. He's like, if somebody breaks into my house, I have axes. <laughs> That's a scary statement. <laughs> you don't have to worry about Aaron shooting you. You have to worry about him fucking throwing an axe at your head. Fucking tomahawk, tomahawking you. Yeah, exactly. Which is, in, in my mind, maybe a little bit scary. Um, a Dogma Debate, one of the podcasts that I listen to regularly, uh, hosted by David Smalley. Um, Aaron used to be a pretty regular fixture there on Dogma Debate, and he had uh, debates with guys like um, Ray Comfort and Cy Ten Bruggenkate, who's a fellow Canadian, uh, and would just call them out, you know, on their absolute BS, and how he'd always push them, saying, you know, where's your proof, where's your proof, where's your proof? And so I, I, I really like that. Um, okay, so the, the next one is uh, Lawrence Krauss. Uh, Professor Krauss, uh, the, the director of the uh, Origins Project at Arizona State University, um, Theoretical physicist, cosmologist, um, truly brilliant man. Uh, I met him back at NonCon in Kitchener-Waterloo in tw uh, 2015 where he delivered the, the keynote address. And uh, the second time, actually, he was in um, one of the TIFF movies, Salt and Fire, a Werner Herzog movie. And he came to Toronto for the premiere and I saw him again and um, we chatted for oh, only a couple seconds. But uh, it was good. And uh, he's got a load of books out there. One of the... One of my favorites of his is A Universe of Nothing, mm. where he breaks down how, because one of the favorite arguments from a lot of apologists is, you know, well, you know, wh where did it all come from? Where did it all come from? And their secret snooker, you know, argument is, well, it, you know, we don't know where it came from, so it had to be God. You know, like the Kalam cosmological argument, you know, everything that begins to exist has a cause, <coughs> stuff like that. Argument from ignorance. Exactly. Uh, the Physics of Star Trek, another really good one. Uh, he's got a new book coming out actually March 17th, uh, The Greatest Story Ever Told So Far. Mm, yes, I agree about uh, that. I already have it uh, pre-ordered. Um, I've seen a few debates uh, that he's done as well, and one of my favorites was one that he did. I'm not sure where he did this, but it was a debate with a guy named Hamza Sortsis, who's a, basically an, is, uh, an Islamic apologist. Mm -hmm. And uh, he rightly filleted uh, Mr. Sortsis and taught him all the things that Hamza only thought he knew about science. Uh, it was really funny. It, it's the, the full thing's on YouTube. You can go look it up. He essentially just... Uh, Hamza went through this whole thing talking about this, that, and the other thing. And then when uh, Lawrence Krauss got up there, he said, you know, now I'm, go I'm basically paraphrased. I'm going to tell you how everything you just said about science was total bullshit and you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then just torn to pieces. Uh, the greatest Richard thing Kerry. about most of these debates, sorry to interrupt, yeah, but no, yeah. the greatest thing about most of these debates is that um, when it's coming from the religious side, they don't know about anything other than what they've what what they've read in this one book, um, and they try and use science to back up their beliefs and things like that. And you can tell they have no idea what they're talking about because if they did actually study these things, they wouldn't believe the way they believe. <laughs> oh, and, and that's an interesting argument because when you when you see some of the the arguments, like the whole idea of, of apologetics. Yeah. Right, having to make these basically excuses for it, like you have you have to end up making all of these gross concessions. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that's getting off tra off track a little bit, but there's this one that I saw from a guy named Blake Genta, 
uh, who's a Christian apologist. He has this website called Belief Map. Go look it up. It's, I think it's silly, but it's, it's informative at least. Um, he's debated guys like Matt Dillahunty uh, from the Atheist Experience a few times. Uh, we're friends on Facebook, and he posts things about uh, stuff like that. He has this argument loosely called the if-then. Well, if this thing is true, then it's reasonable to assume this. Yeah. I'm like, I don't accept your first premise. <laughs> what do you mean, if this thing is true? Yeah. Well, you know, if if blueberries are why the sky is blue, then it's reasonable in, to, to infer that you know, the sky is blue because of blueberries. That doesn't mean the first thing is true. You've got to demonstrate the first thing first before you can make this massive jump to something else. And so it's, it's this, this form of apologetics that I don't really like. Um, okay, getting back to um, some of my heroes. Richard Carrier. I met Dr. Carrier at another CFI talk. Um, he was talking about the historicity of Jesus. He has, um, he has uh, a book uh, titled the same, basically, um, on, the history of, on the Historicity of Jesus. And the subtitle, which is important, because he doesn't assert Jesus never lived, uh, the subtitle is Why We Might Have Reason to Doubt, which I think is important. Um, when, when you look at all of the, the very the prideful pronouncements, they're almost always made by the, the faithful. Yeah. I know X, I know Y, I know Z. Whereas most, most atheists will say, I'm not sure, but there doesn't seem to be any evidence to back this thing up. Yeah. We'll never make any kind of uh, claim that's 100%, uh, I believe, this is a with 100% accuracy. We n never make that claim. There's yeah. always caveats. Yeah, All the evidence points to this being the most right from what we know now. Produce contrary evidence, and we'll take another look at it. Yeah, exactly. I, I heard uh, one of the best lines that I heard on that was, um, I, forget what, I forget who it was that said it. Um, and I hope I remember it. When I do remember, I'll give credit to that individual. But basically the line was, my opinion changes with new information. Yeah. And I think that's very honest. You know, it's like, if this is what I believe right now based on, and you said it, what's here? Yeah. We can see what we can prove right now or we can demonstrate. You show me some new shit, I'm going to change my mind. Yeah. We go back to, um, was it last year, year and a half ago, the Ken Ham, uh, Bill Nye debate? Yes. Um, during the question and answer, one of the questions was, what would it take to change your mind? Yeah. And... Bill Nye's answer was one piece of, of evidence. Yes, new evidence. And Ken Ham's answer was nothing. Yeah. So you're, you're admitting right there. that you have a closed mind. You're yeah. not open to information. Yeah. I, I don't know why you even took part in the debate. Okay, so back to Richard Carrier for a second. Um, his first book in the, the two-book series was called Proving History. It was based on Bayes' theorem of probability. Man, it took me a long, I, it took me a long time to get through that book. I'm not a mathematician. I only play one on TV. And so it took a long time for me to get through that book and all the, the equations and the this and the that and the other stuff. Um, but what it was was basically a lead-up to his, the second book uh, on the historicity of Jesus. And he, what he did is he took all the stuff from the first book and applied it to the Jesus question mm. and talked about how, you know, uh, one of the things he talked about is how well documented the first century is how we know lots about the first century mm -hmm. and all of the people who should have recorded stuff about Jesus didn't say all shit. All the other cultures and stuff that were, yeah. that were Nobody said recording shit. history at the time. You know, all the people, all of the other, and I'm, I can't remember any of the names of the people now. They, they just escaped me. But all the people who were 
writing about the first century. Yeah. Completely didn't write about him at all. Or the, uh, I don't know when, when the flood happened, but whatever age that was. There's plenty of history written from all other parts of the world oh, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And nary a raindrop fell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or it rained. Yeah, but not for 40 days. Because sometimes nights. it rained. <laughs> um, okay, so what's uh, coming up? Um, this is an exciting one for me because uh, in June of this year, I'm going to be attending Imagine No Religion 7. Um, and Richard Dawkins is one of the speakers who's on the the the, uh, the docket there. I might have to go there. Yeah, well. it's it's going to be awesome. Um, I bought my tickets back in October, and oddly enough, my father-in-law is going with me. Oh, nice! nice. The staunch Catholic, who I have so many interesting uh, discussions with, but he's going with me. I told him I was going. I bought my ticket, and uh, and he was like, "Well, I'd like to go to that." And I said, "Well, because they're not cheap. Like, I got the VIP weekend package. It was like six hundred dollars." Wow. And I said, the ticket's like 600 bucks. He's like, yeah, and here's, here's my credit card. I want to go. So it's going to be a really interesting time. Anyway, Richard Dawkins is there, um, and I'm really excited from that. I've read most of the books that he's written. Uh, the Selfish Gene, Climbing Mountain Probable, yeah. which, was, which was one of my favorites. Um, I really like you, The Selfish Gene. Yeah. Uh, Climbing Mountain Probable, if you don't know about it, basically, it, it, the, a really quick you know, uh, two-second summary is... Um, to go from, if you imagine yourself standing at the foot of a sheer wall that goes up, you know, 100 feet or something like that, um, to go from nothing to homo sapien, uh, like it's talked about in the Bible, you have to make this, you have to imagine that the person goes from the ground all the way up to the top with, with one, one foul swoop. If you, but if you walk around to the other side, there's a slow, gradual increase. And that's how... It talks basically about evolution by natural selection and how, you know, we didn't go from nothing to bing to boom. And so many creations talk about that. You know, I didn't come from no damn monkey. Um, uh, Steve Harvey, that idiot, he's the one who said, you know, if we came from monkeys, why do we still have monkeys? Yeah. He needs That's... the sense slapped into him. Yeah. Um, so Climbing Mountain Problems is a good one. Uh, the Greatest Show on Earth, which uh, the, the, the subtitle is the, the Evidence for Evolution. Uh, and, of course, The God Delusion. Uh, for which I have a signed copy from my lovely wife. Um, I'm hard to press to to pick a, a favorite of of his books, but um, I think it's it might be toss between the God Delusion and Climbing Mountain Broadmoor. He's also got he doesn't have a boatload of debates online because I think he's grown weary he, and yeah, tired and of then, arguing the God question. The, the, well, what most of them say, like even these debates have calmed down now because most of them say that they don't want it to look like. Uh, the religious uh, side and the scientific side have equal footing. Yeah. They, there's no even point to debating this because you're just wrong. Yeah. So just sit there in your wrongness. <laughs> <laughs> bask in your bask in the wrong. So I mean, because because the more debates there, there's more people saying, "Oh, look, you know, there's a debate in the community. One one of them's got to be right. One of them, they're they're in the same room. It's like, no, no, they're not." Yeah, and it, it's funny. Uh, Lawrence Krauss talks about this in one of the discussions that he has, and he talks about it again in. Um, uh, I believe he talks about this in uh, you know from nothing. <clears throat> he said, "If you look at the religious question." He said, you know, there's, you know, even if you take a low number, a thousand gods that have been proposed. Yeah. He said they, um, just because of the, the law of non-contradiction, they can't all be right. Mm -hmm. uh, at best, one is right. Yeah. 
But because of all of the contradiction of things like that, it's more likely that none of them are right. Yeah. And so that's an interesting point. Like, if, if we keep... Are we legitimizing their... F- they're bad arguments yeah. by continuing to engage with them in debates. Well, even it was Richard Dawkins' quote, I believe, that said uh, that we're all atheists when it comes to all the other gods. Yep. I just go one god further. That's right. I mean, eventually, our society will continue on, and a thousand years from now, hopefully our society will continue on, a thousand years from now, there'll be some other form of belief, and Christianity may fall away. Yeah, maybe. And we'll, and we'll, we'll think of it the same way that we do about the Greek gods. Yeah, one can only hope. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so I just got uh, two left. Uh, Sam Harris, and it, it's weird. Um, I like the Waking Up podcast uh, that he that he has out now. Uh, it's quite good. We don't see eye to eye in a lot of stuff. Um, he's a scientist. He's, he's a, a neuroscientist. He's a PhD in, in neuroscience. He's a brilliant man. I love Letter to a Christian Nation. Yeah. I thought that was that was really really good. I wasn't a massive fan of the the free will, the book Free Will that he put out. Um, um, when it comes to free will, I like Christopher Hitchens' argument on that. He he said in one of the debates, he said uh, he said when you talk about free will, he says I have to rest my. I said he said I rest in philosophical irony. When asked if we have free will, I say yes. I don't think we have any choice but to have free will. Um, and then the, the crowd busts out laughter. He says, yeah. he says, but at least I realize that I'm being ironic. Yeah. He said, the Christian says, of course you have free will. The boss insists upon it. <laughs> uh, he says, which kind of degrades free will, don't you think? Um, his, his, uh, his ability to, to um, just verbally eviscerate um, is like no other. Well, the whole free will argument is when it comes to uh, God's divine plan, too. Like, yeah. and, and prayer. I mean, if, if, if you want, if, if you have free will to make a choice, if it doesn't fit into God's plan, then like God's got a plan for you. Yeah. You have to end up where he wants you to end That's up. Right. So God you have no free will. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, it's, it's funny. I heard, um, one of the Facebook groups that I used to belong to before I got thrown out by the, by the admin a guy named Tim Hurd. Uh, you can look it up online. It's the Bible thumping wingnut. Uh, I went on there, and I was mostly quiet. I was quiet for a few weeks, watching all these things and stuff like that. And they would post memes about, you know, the greatest atheist lie ever told. And, you know, they would show bones and say, you know, like, you know, 200 million years old with 18 question marks afterwards. And just very silly stuff. And so then I started to insert myself, you know, a little bit more. And he eventually kicked me out of the group. Because he said that I was, I was disturbing. You know, I said, you know, you know, enjoy. You are a little disturbing. Yeah, well... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or is it disturbed? <laughs> yeah, disturbed. Uh, enjoy the time in your echo chamber if all you want to do is surround yourself with, with like-minded people. Um, I have a number of Christian friends on Facebook, and I comment on things, and they comment on, on things, and we have discussions back and forth. Um, I'm open to the possibility, hey, I could be wrong. Just show me, show me some shit yeah. that isn't you know anecdotal or that has to follow a line of if then or all these other all these other bullshit arguments to come up with this whole thing right mm-hmm. bible says god's not the author of confusion okay then it shouldn't be that goddamn confusing uh okay last on my list um so i wrote here i'll just read what i what i wrote it says but i have a regret <clears throat> um i have the regret that i never met the man who's inspired me more than anyone else and that's christopher hitchens um i've read everything he ever wrote I've watched every debate, I think, twice, uh, if not more than that. I can't seem to get enough. 
his wit, his intellect, uh, his way with words, and his ability to verbally dissect his opponents is, I think, unmatched. Uh, each year on December 15th, I have a shot of Johnny Walker Black uh, and toast the man um, who I think believe is a legend. Uh, his quotes often fill my Facebook page, and I wear a t-shirt uh, with his quote, one of my favorites, and that is, uh, that which can be asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. Um, and the last part's kind of a question is, and I'm questioning myself because um, I never knew any of my grandparents. And so consequently, I didn't think I really missed anything. But with Hitch, I have to re-ask myself that question because I never met the man. But I miss his presence. I, I do miss his presence. Yeah. So. It was definitely a, a, a tour de force, and although that force somewhat diminished with his, with his cancer in the end, he was still every bit as strong-minded and uh, made, the, made, made sure that nobody took his words um, as they have with Einstein mm. to say that he had a deathbed conversion. <clears throat> um, and, uh, yeah, he was just... He's... he's I mean, just look him up on YouTube. It's unbelievable how how he he acted in debates and just just completely destroyed anybody he went up against. I, I they actually like, call it a hitch slap. Oh yeah, right? there's, there's, he, there's, there's several. You can look up. There's you can look up the hitch slap, and there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of videos, uh, compilations, of excerpts and stuff like that. And I think one of my favorites was watching he and Stephen Fry debate. Um, a guy named John Aniakin, I think his name was. He was the um, Archbishop of Abuja, I think in Africa. And Anne Whittacombe, I hope I'm getting that name right. It's like a conservative, a British conservative uh, politician. And he just, just, just shreds them. Just the one thing that, I, that, he, that I've noticed about him is that he, he interrupts often. And he doesn't, and he, he almost doesn't stop. <laughs> so it's difficult for anybody to get a counter word in on him. Yeah, but he would always, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, and that is what uh, he would do, yeah. for sure. Just dominates. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, and, but he would, um, and he would, <laughs> he, would, he would have this backhanded way of essentially calling you a moron <laughs> with a smile on his face. And you'd almost thank him for it. At the uh, at the end of it, <clears throat> okay. So those are my uh, those are my heroes. Dean, did you have anything you wanted to? Um, basically, uh, I took all the good ones. No, yeah, basically the same names. I mean, Richard Dawkins is the one who arguably started this all um, with his God Delusion book. Um, it kind of opened up the floodgates for people like us to to unapologetically say, "Yeah, I'm an atheist." Um, why aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Christopher Hitchens, of course, the, the Hitch Slap, I've, I've watched almost everything that has his name pinned to it on YouTube. Um, that's where I spend most of my time when I'm, uh, researching this. Um, Sam Harris, uh, Letter to a Christian Nation was great. The one thing about Sam Harris that's interesting, um, and I, I somewhat agree with, is that he takes a, a lot of his aim on moderates. Because he says mm. that moderates allow fundamentalists to exist. They open up this space to say, yeah, okay, it's not entirely a factual account of what happened. Like, the Bible isn't a factual account or the Quran isn't a factual account of what happened. It's just stories that give you a, a, a way to live, but they allow this small pocket of people that can't be questioned and that 
that breeds these fundamentalists that, that go out and end up doing bad things. Yeah, and I think he's caught a lot of shit, especially yeah. over the past year or so. Yeah. With that, but I mean, um, it's it's he's got a he's got a valid point there. I mean, yeah, I I don't I don't know. I mean, my my stance has changed a lot. You know, I started out. I remember, I know, probably fifteen years ago, people would say, you know, you know, do you believe in God? I say, no, I'm agnostic, and I I stuck firm on that. You know, kind of four on the Dawkins scale for a long time. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe not. But. Uh, Slow, you know, slowly started moving over, and now I think I'm as close to seven as you can get, like six point mm-hmm. nine. Um, but one of the things that, that Hitch said that I that I admire and I use sometimes, I say that you know I'm, I'm glad there's no evidence mm-hmm. because if there was any evidence to prove this thing was real, what a fucking monster mm-hmm. this this god yeah. uh, would have been. Um, going back to what I, I started to say a minute ago about Tim Hurd, the Bible's not being winged that. He said it in one of the debates, he said, uh, going back to the whole design thing and everything else like that, you were, you were commenting on it. He said, uh, as kind of a, a precursor to one of the debates that was going to be happening between uh, Matt Slick, <coughs> who's a character, and Matt Dillahunty, is he said, he was kind of giving a kind of a testimony and like a Christian message saying, you know, this was the plan. And, he, and in fact, he said, you know, this was, this was plan A, this wasn't plan B, I'm... Can, can, I'm we're saying now almost verbatim, but he said, you know, this wasn't plan B, this was, anything. This was the plan from the get-go. So I'm like, okay, so you, so God knew everything was going to go so colossally wrong mm-hmm. that this was his plan. His plan at the beginning was to have his son, who's really him, that's another discussion, um, brutally tortured and killed, and that was the plan. Yeah. If I'm Jesus, I'm like, dude... <laughs> Can we can we think of a plan that doesn't involve me getting <laughs> fucking crucified? You're the omnipotent creator of all things. Yeah. Can you not get go back to the drawing board on this? It's your, you're the, you're perfect, right? Yeah. It should take you a nanosecond yeah. to figure out a different plan. Anyway, <clears throat> um, I, I've always found that that very interesting. I don't know if you've read if you've read it, ever read uh, Anne Rice's um, Memnoch the Devil. Um, one of the things that she says in there, this it's the it's the only account of the Jesus story that I find intriguing. Um, but he said, as the devil was cast out by God, um, made a human and walked, walked, walked the earth, um, and died. Um, and then was back up and, and he's kept on talking to God. Like you have to, like the devil isn't evil. He's opposed to God. Um, so anyway, what he said, and then God, like he said, you put me down on earth. I lived as a human. And died as a human. Right. You don't know what that's like. And God said, okay, I'll do you one better. I'll be born as a human. I'll live as a human. I'll die as a human. And that's the whole story of Jesus. But then even after Jesus is crucified and God's back up and out, he says, there, I just did it. And and devil's like, no, you didn't. Yeah. Because when you were on, the cro- uh, on that cross being crucified, you knew you were divine. Yeah. You didn't die as man dies. Yeah. Is what is it? No man knows what's going to happen after he dies. I didn't know what was going to happen after yeah. I died. And then you brought me back here. But you did not die a man's death. You have no idea what these people down there are, are going through. Yeah, as I heard so many people say, you know, if, if Jesus was real, you know, he didn't, you know, he had a bad weekend for our <laughs> sins. Um, and then, you know, it's like people say, oh, you know, God sacrificed, God sacrificed. No, he didn't sacrifice anything because that's where he is now. And he knew ahead of time oh, yeah. exactly what it was that was going to happen. So I, th- I always found that very interesting. So we're, we're jumping around a lot here, which is, it's all really good stuff. 
Um, so just before we get to the, the last piece, which is going to be our logical fallacy for the, for the day, um, some other topics that we're going to be covering in future episodes. Um, one of my favorites is the problem of evil. Uh, we're going to talk about why our beliefs are important. We touched on that a, a, a tidbit today, but we'll go more in-depth for sure. Uh, can't you just let people believe what they want? I hear that so often. Uh, why activism is important. Um, we're going to start doing more of a step-by-step on counter-apologetics and a- answering some of the, like, the, so the Kalam cosmological argument and a reasonable response to Kalam and some of the other ones. A couple more names that I just want to mention. Oh, yeah, yeah. Matt yeah. is great. Uh, watch all of the atheist uh, um, community, uh, atheist experience videos on YouTube. Yeah. And then another person who's not really an atheist, well, he's obviously an atheist, but he's not an outspoken as an atheist, is um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. He's just great as um, the... Uh, he's just so excited and, and, and filled with energy when he talks about the things. That did you watch the, the remake of Cosmos? Yeah, yeah I did. I, I watched awesome. the whole thing. It was, it was, it was I remember seeing, he said... Uh, the original Cosmos is... Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, this didn't touch the original Cosmos, but it was still really well done. Yeah. It, had, it had the cool graphics, right? That yeah, we can yeah, do yeah, now, yeah. As the, that, that they couldn't do when the original came out. Um, we're gonna talk about it, uh, internet religion nuts. Um, I want to talk about the the dishonesty, or what I believe is the dishonesty of presuppositional apologetics. And then uh, you had sent me a list of some of the things you want to talk about. Um, and this is really good. I think why, you know, why religion is dangerous. That's that'll that'll be a good topic to talk about. Um, why religion is not needed to be moral, and micro versus macro revolution, mm-hmm. which I think is important too. Um, and the main difference is time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah, we'll delve more into that for sure. Um, okay. So just before we wrap up, I wanted to talk about our uh, logical fallacy for the day, and the one that I want to talk about today is the shifting of the burden of proof. Yeah. Um, I get this a lot. Uh, yeah, well, prove to me God doesn't exist. I can't. Yeah, you can't. I can't. Um, that kind of null hypothesis can't be demonstrated. Yeah. Uh, lots of people on the internet have addressed this. You know, prove unicorns don't exist. Mm-hmm. Richard Dawkins talks about the God delusion, you know, the, 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 the celestial teapot. Yeah, exactly. Some of these different things. You can't, uh, you, you can't demonstrate that, that negative. You can't but, prove a negative. Yeah. But it's the, it's that, it's the assertion that God is real, Jesus died for your sins, or, you know, there's only one God, his name is Allah and Muhammad is his messenger, whatever flavor you want to talk about. It's when you make that assertion, you have adopted a burden of proof that you are now responsible to demonstrate that that thing you said, that that thing you believe is actually true. Well, the main point is you're making an assertion, you have to prove it. I am not making an assertion. I am rejecting your assertion. That's right, yeah. I, uh, I have not made it. I am not saying God doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm saying I don't believe that he exists. You're saying he exists. I'm saying, well, I don't think so. Yeah. So now you have to prove to me that he exists. If I tell you I have invisible fairies that make the flowers in my garden beautiful, I don't have to say, prove to me they don't. Yeah, exactly. I have to prove to you that that's actually true. Yeah. Well, they're transcendent fairies. <laughs> That's, that's, what what I mean, like, that's when we can't see them. There's Everybody no way, knows the fairies are real. There's no way that you can say, okay, I'm going to prove to you that your fairies don't exist. Excuse me? Yeah. No, I have, I've made this a, this fantastical claim. I need to pr- provide fantastic evidence. Yeah. And it's and so it, it happens a lot. You know, well you, well, you can't prove that it doesn't. No, you're right. I can't. Um, but that's not my problem. 
And there are lots of people, and this is where I think the whole ap apologetics thing comes from, is you, you start making these fantastic uh, arguments to get around that. Yeah. The if-then thing. The pre Well, we have to presuppose that God exists. Yeah. Because if we don't presuppose that God exists, then nothing makes sense. No. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you don't presuppose, if you don't make the presupposition that God exists, your yeah. argument is built, it's like building a house on sand. You can't it, define a word by using that word. Oh, yeah, exactly. The Bible is true because the Bible says the Bible is true. How do you know? Read the Bible. Does not work that way. Uh, yeah, so that, that's basically it, the shifting of the burden of proof. Um, I, get, I get a lot of flack sometimes where a lot of people say, well, why do you just keep saying you don't know, you don't know, you don't know? And I just, again, I take from other people, usually who have said it way better and more eloquently than I, than I have, and I'll say, what's wrong with saying I don't know? Yeah. That's, that's perfectly reasonable. It's the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. Until, until I know, I'm going to say, I don't know. Yeah. It was that way when I was a kid and being taught things. I didn't know how to do, well, insert thing here. I didn't know how to do that thing. I was taught, and then I knew how to do that thing. Yeah. If I don't know something, I'm just going to say, I don't know. No. And I think that that's logical. And more, most importantly, I think it's honest. It's the beginning of knowledge. I don't know, so I'm going to find out. Yeah, exactly. And let's see where that goes. Yeah. And let's see where that goes. I'm right. not going to say, I do know, and then I'm going to find out stuff and try and fit it into that. Exactly. I've got my shoebox full of beliefs. Now I have to cram all my shit in my shoebox. <laughs> and hopefully it all fits. It never fits. Um, okay. So I think that, uh, that wraps it up for, uh, for this episode. Uh, it was lots of fun. We covered lots of different stuff. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the... Uh, things move on with the election, the possibility of election for us here in Ontario. And um, next episode, I think we'll talk a little bit more about um, the the absolute shit show that is Donald Trump and uh, dive into a few more things. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash the CA. You can also send us an email at uh, the CA at rogers.com. And until next time, I have been Michael. And I have been Dean. And we shall see you later. Till next time. Bye-bye. This has been the CA. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please drop by the iTunes store and give us a review and subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they release. And just a reminder, the views expressed on this broadcast are those solely of the host and are for entertainment purposes only. Never take advice from two guys expressing an opinion on a podcast. That's just silly. See you back here in two weeks or less.